What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, Daniel Salerson, alongside Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com and your television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, Joel Myers. We're taping this podcast in Toronto at Humber University, home of the Hawks, where the Pelicans are practicing today before they head home and get ready for the Dallas Mavericks. Guys, I know it was a tough game last night as the Pelicans fell in overtime to the Toronto Raptors. Um, before we get started on breaking down the game, uh, Joel, kind of want to talk to you about the atmosphere last night. You were there um, to watch the game, see the ring ceremony, everything like that. What, what did you think about last night's performance by Toronto as far as the ceremony and the crowd? Well, I've been through a few ring ceremonies, and that was right up there. They did an exceptional job. Uh, Adam Silver, and it was brief, and it was on to point. I, I really liked everything, but see, I'm, I'm kind of partial to Toronto because it's their first, and they've got an unbelievably loyal fan base. It's a hockey community that has kind of adopted this basketball franchise and taken it on, and I don't know, the arena holds, what, 20, 21,000? It's got to be one of the largest arenas in the NBA. Everybody was in their seat long before the ceremony started at 725 local time for, what, an 805 tip. They all wanted to be a part of it because they've watched this team grow since the 90s when they were an expansion franchise. So I thought it was well done, but I'm not surprised because this basketball community has grown so much that, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker can tell you it's, it was rare when we had a, t- a player in the NBA from Canada 20 years ago. And right. now we've got all these guys, they, they outgrew skates. They're too tall for skates. So we've got so many Canadians in the NBA. It's just a real healthy situation. But the good part of it all is it started with the Raptors. Yeah, we talk about the atmosphere, Jim. You include the guy, the fans out there in Jurassic Park where they estimate around 10,000 people. I mean, you had thirty to 35,000 people around Scotiabank Arena you were inside as well. I mean, what did you think about the atmosphere last night? Yeah, I mean, first of all, one thing I was going to say about last night is I wish we had a camera on the media section because I know this isn't going to happen many times, but I had the pleasure and enjoyment of sitting next to Joel and Antonio Daniels last night. Um, Not something that they get the opportunity to do either of just being able to watch the game and not have a broadcast, but um, that was really cool. I mean, the pregame ceremony was great, and we've seen this building over the last probably – five to ten years with the fan base that they have and just how much of a bond I think that that they have they went through so much so many rough periods too where they had guys that didn't want to play there there was a stretch early in in the early 2000s where it was like any time a player got traded to Toronto they immediately said can you trade me somewhere else so I think that that fan base has gone through so many different things that it adds a different element and and I think even appreciation and enjoyment of being able to win a championship so it was it was really cool. I mean, there were so many moments during the pregame ceremony that that you just kind of sit back and and smile. And you, I'm personally being from Western New York, I've been I had been to Toronto many times for games before I got this job, and um, I just I I just feel great for them. I mean, and one player too, I was gonna wanted to mention. I mean, Kyle Lowry, watching him, it was cool to see how excited he was and happy he was because he was the kind of the brunt of a lot of the criticism of how much they. The team had failed in the playoffs. So overall, great experience. I think everybody that was there probably enjoyed it, and I think the New Orleans players as well probably took away a lot of a lot of good stuff from that. Yeah, and Alvin Gentry wanted to make sure his players watched the ceremony, which I thought was important. You know, some of these young guys that haven't even stepped on an NBA court yet besides preseason, and then some of those veterans too that are still chasing 
their first ring. But let's talk about the game last night. Obviously, the Pelicans got off to a really good start early, which you kind of maybe expected due to the fact that it was ring ceremony night. There were some distractions, and then it kind of went back and forth as the game progressed. But the one thing that everyone keeps talking about is the word depth. And it showed last night, Joel, just based on the fact that Alvin Gentry put out 12 players in the first half. The Raptors only played eight all night. Yeah, and, and let me just say this before we talk about the overall depth, and especially at the guard position. It was absolutely agonizing sitting there next to Jim Eichenhofer <laughs> because I would have much rather called the game. And the frustration factor is he saw me slam my hand on the table a couple of times out of frustration. Uh, I can't do that during a telecast because uh, I'm more concerned with everything we're doing and, and with Antonio and, and Jen Hill and our telecast. But that's the tough part. And I'm happy for the, the franchise, though, because it's almost like the franchise has gone from zero to 30. And I know we had some national telecasts last year, uh, but this year to go up to 30 and to be relevant and in front, and there's focus now on the franchise and the momentum the franchise has. So uh, I was it was comfortable at halftime. Jim saw me get up and pace for a while. But uh, at the same time, <laughs> it's tough watching these games from a distance. Now, the depth of the franchise is remarkable. I've never seen a makeover and a changeover quite like this uh, in a short period of time. The depth, and it's a pleasant dilemma for Alvin, is how do you get guards in minutes? And we saw the pros. We saw J.J. Redick and even Josh Hart, who's now in his third season. We saw how interesting it's going to be. Rotations, combinations, and as Alvin said after the game, it's a work in progress, and that's absolutely what it is. So I give him credit that he wanted to see guys and combinations together. Uh, he's finding out. And Jay, to have J.J. Redick as part of it, and what I watched more than anything else, with whether it was a big coming off the floor, like Kenrich Williams came over to the bench during play. He, he's taken out of the game. J.J. Redick was up and talking to him and giving him some instructions. The same thing out on the floor with Brandon Ingram. When J.J. Redick was in the fourth quarter, was giving him an idea of what he could do on a pick and roll and, and while the Pels were taking free throws at that end of the floor. So there's so many positives out of that game to begin with. You bring up 12. I bring up the guard position in particular. So there's a lot of good days ahead for this franchise, and it's amazing the turn, the change, the turnover that we've seen. What is it, 20 guys went to camp? And 15 weren't there last camp. So there's a lot to take away from the first game, a lot to like from the first game. Um, as far as the the depth, I think Josh Hart had a really good quote after the game last night where he talked about how Elvin Gentry has the hardest job in the organization. Um, there's There are so many difficult decisions, and I think we'll, we'll probably get into this as the season progresses, even the early part of the year. Um, it's amazing to me last night how many people I had got tweets from that were saying, like, what if they do this with a rotation? What if they play this guy more? I mean, I think you're going to have that process, and you're going to have to go through that. It's going to be very difficult for the coaches, because, but it's a good problem to have because you have so many different options. But I, I thought that was um, – I was impressed by the fact that Josh Hart had kind of the ability after a game like that where it was – everybody was disappointed to be able to step back and say like we understand that Elvin Gentry is in a tough situation here because I think the question that was asked to Josh Hart that prompted this was you know what do you think about your role and would you know would you want to be starting etc cetera, etc cetera. so um that was that was impressive to me um Joel mentioned the you know that kind of the agonizing part of it and I I don't 
I hope he wasn't referencing specifically sitting next to me. <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> but more of the game itself. Um, to me, I think one of the most interesting parts of what happened last night was that there were a lot of individual players on the Pelicans, or there were a few players on the Pelicans that didn't play well that had really poor games. There were a lot of things that went wrong overall for the team, but yet they were still in the game the whole night, obviously by the fact that they went to overtime and had a really good chance to win against a team that has six, six or I think six guys, six or seven guys on the court that have played together a ton. So to me, when you look at it from a broad standpoint, there were a lot of positives that the Pelicans can take out of that game, even though they lost just based on the fact that it seemed like there were just so many things that were piling up against them, and they still were up two, I think, with a minute left in, in regulation and had a great chance to win the game. And, and let me just tag what he, Jim had uh, commented on regarding the experience and the rotations. Nick Nurse does not have the depth. He only played eight guys, as you had mentioned, and he's trying to find out if he's going to have support beyond those first eight guys. Uh, but the most underrated aspect of any team is chemistry and the pelicans are going to develop that chemistry because they have not been on the floor together trends tendencies and where a guy likes it and where he's going to succeed drew's going to be able to put him in that position to succeed uh we need drew to actually if anything i don't want drew to ever defer i want drew to be the assertive guy and and drew to a we all know Drew Holiday. He wants to get everybody involved. I want Drew to score, too. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday. There's a lot of positives to take away from the game last night. They're going to find out about each other. I brought up J.J. Redick. We can go down the list of guys. Uh, but it's just nice that now when Alvin Gentry looks to his right, and let's look at the last just two or three years, he looked to the right. If somebody was in foul trouble or somebody got hurt, he didn't have the luxury to say, get up, let's go. You two, in now, or you five, like he did in the first half last night. So it, it's a really pleasant development for the Bells. Chemistry, though, is going to be the key, how rapidly they can find it together, because the first five weeks of the season, up until December 1st, the Pels have the third most difficult schedule in the NBA. So they're going to have to pick up on each other's trends. I'm glad you brought up Drew Holiday in the chemistry because we talk about the depth of this team, but that starting lineup only played a little bit in that last preseason game against the New York Knicks gym. And Drew Holiday is playing with four different guys in that starting lineup that he hasn't played with um, because they're all new. I mean, how much does that affect how the team played a little bit last night and how this is going to be a work in progress for the next few weeks or so? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the starting lineup definitely has a ways to go in terms of the cohesiveness, and like you mentioned, that they really didn't have a ton of time in preseason to play together. So um, it, it's a challenge. I mean, you hope that to see that they make progress as time goes on. One thing I noticed from last night, I'm sure everybody that looked at the box score or watched the game, the bench was a lot more effective. The bench had a lot more of an upper hand against Toronto's reserves than New Orleans' starting lineup did against Toronto's um, first string. So you, you hope that you know the, the the starters can can pick up their production and and play better. So, but I I, I do think for the time for probably the short term, they're probably going to have this happen where they go against teams that don't have as much depth as they do. And I've also been really happy with the way that the bench has gelled together so far very early. So yeah, the I guess that's that's one thing that we're going to have to watch for the starters have to make sure this happened in preseason a couple times. They have to avoid getting off to slow starts in both the first quarter and the third quarter. 
Let's uh, highlight two individual guys, and then we'll kind of wrap things up here. Uh, one of the guys, Joel, I want to talk about is Nicolo Melli, who I thought shot really well last night in his, I guess, NBA debut. And one of the things that Alvin Gentry wanted to focus on with him is just to shoot the ball. A lot of times he's passed up some open threes, and he's turned it over from traveling or just not used to being a volume shooter. But last night he wasn't afraid to let him fly, and I think he was 4 or 5 from downtown. Well, it is rare when you can come up with a player that has 12 years' experience over in Europe and get him in the prime of his basketball life at the age of 28. He, first of all, has a beautiful stroke. The ball is up top. It's on his forehead. It's tough to defend where he shoots and releases it from, so at a legit 6'10". But what impresses me more than anything else, and I saw it in the preseason, besides the shooting last night, was his basketball IQ making plays for others. When they run out and they're flying, he's putting it on the ground and he's making a, a, an intelligent play. His basketball IQ is exceptional for what the Pels want to do. He is a steal. Plus, he's likable. You can tell his teammates like him. Everybody likes Nico Melli. So it, it's an, the ultimate situation. Give Griff Trajan Langdon, who had watched him, uh, I just was listening to Wes Wilcox on NBA Radio talk about what a steal, what a find he has been just watching him last night and picking up on some of the comments of other people around the NBA. Melly is a great find. Plus, then you can go small ball. You can play him as a point five, and, he making, and he's making the proper decisions. He's a great read and react guy for Alvin Gentry. Plus, you have to guard him. He keeps everything honest out there. He, he'll... Now the book is going to be you're going to have to defend him. There's going to be game plans. They're going to you can't leave him because he's also going to make plays for other. So uh, the he's not a surprise, but he's a pleasant development as as we've talked about some of the backcourt guys as well. Yeah, Joel mentioned how likable he is. I mean, I feel like that's the case with a lot of guys on this team. It we've a lot of these guys obviously we've only known for a month or two, but it, there's a lot of people that are really fun to talk to. Um, Good example from from him last night. He uh, was he cracked a couple jokes after the game, and when people were asking him about how he played individually, he obviously didn't want to dwell too much on that. He wanted to talk more about the team and that it was disappointing that they lost. But um, one of the things that he mentioned that I thought was funny was, you know, people said someone asked him what was it like to shoot so well, and he's like, you know, it was great because I have a bunch of friends in Italy that set their alarm clocks for 2 a.m. to make sure that they could wake up on time to watch the game so and he also mentioned that um I asked him something about um you know national tv tnt tons of hype for this game first game of the season your first game in the nba um the raptors ring night and he basically was he basically said you know in europe we're actually used to playing in in more hot environments than what we experienced tonight so um, I mean, some of the – I'm not saying this specifically about his experience because I don't know, but, I mean, in some of the European crowds, they they throw coins at the players on the other team. Um, there's, you know, a lot of stuff that happens in the stands that people are have heard about in soccer that also carries over to basketball in some places. So it was just funny to hear him be like, you know, this was no big deal compared to what I've experienced in 12 years as a pro. And, um, I mean, the way he played, it just seemed like right off the bat he steps on the court and he's like, I'm – I'm comfortable here. I'm going to just make a bunch of threes and make a bunch of plays the way Joel referenced. I heard Joel was throwing things at you last night. Speaking of throwing things, was that was that accurate? Yeah, you know, I some bows, just a few <laughs> elbows here and there. 
Uh, it's not often that I have the opportunity to sit next to Jim, so I have to capitalize on those opportunities. Uh, but, you know, training staff took care of him after the game. He was in the locker room. So, uh, But when he brought up, it's, it is truly different when you can take a guy and plug him into your system in re- reference to Nico Melli, and he's the perfect fit for what Alvin Gentry wants to do because he's a spacer. And then if he's not early offense, then you can reset with him at the head of the key, and he's going to make proper decisions. On the pick and roll, he is an unreal fit. He's a perfect pick and roll, pick and pop five because he's going to stretch the defense. He's going to open things up because they have to guard him on the perimeter. It's it's an unreal situation to pick up a guy like that. I, I would be worried about Joel's uh... – Joel's elbows are dangerous. I would be worried about him throwing popcorn at me as well, but I know he treats the the popcorn like a precious commodity. So I'm I wasn't as worried about that. But yeah, he uh, he you got to watch out for this guy sometimes. You'd be proud. I did have popcorn at halftime yesterday. It was really good in the break room. So that was that was in honor of Joel here since he wasn't able to do so um, last night. All right, before we get out of here, um, Dallas on Friday night home opener, nationally televised, but more importantly locally televised on Fox Sports New Orleans. I know you all had a tune-up in the preseason against Utah Jazz, but Joel, just from a home opener standpoint and after last night, how excited are you just to get back into it and call a game with Antonio and Jen Hale? Well, you can only play so much golf, and you can only watch so much golf and tennis during the offseason. And I know baseball's big too, but uh, for me, golf and tennis, and so I am ready. Not, uh, everybody is ready. I can't wait to be in the building and hopefully a packed building on Friday night. It is a, I don't want to overstate it and put it way past where it is because it's only game two, but it's the first of a back-to-back, and Houston's the next night. And we know what Houston's going to be. They're going to be a difficult cover with their two guards, two future Hall of Famers. So it, it's early, but it's important. And you also want to make a statement within your own division because Dallas thinks they have the momentum. And they've got two core pieces moving forward, both guys under 25, and Luca and Kristaps Porzingis. So a, I look at it, every game is its own entity. This is a very important game for the Pels, even though it's game two. I can't wait for the telecast, but I want to see the support out there. And I just like the buzz, the environment, everything we had in the preseason game as well. Uh, The one game we had at home, support was incredible. Loyalty factor is huge. Absolutely. What sticks out to you about Friday night's game, whether it is the atmosphere or just even against the Mavericks who do have, as Joel mentioned, Porzingis and Doncic? Yeah, I mean, I don't always like to agree with Joel, but he said exactly what I was going to say in terms of I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to is seeing the the crowd. I mean, this is the first time that really you're going to see everybody there, everyone that's been so excited about the preseason or what happened this offseason with the Pelicans. So that's a big big thing for me. I mean, in, in terms of on the court, it is an interesting matchup with, with the Mavericks. I feel like a lot of people are putting the Mavericks in kind of the same tier as the Pelicans in terms of playoff chances and where they may or may not rank in the Western Conference. So um, that part is interesting. I know you guys are probably going to get into this more um, as the week goes on. I know it's already Wednesday, but I know you guys have a lot of like additional pregame coverage on TV and and, and stuff like that. So I think it's it, it, it'll just be a fun night. And uh, as Joel said, you know, hopefully they can they can come up with a victory so that they can be one and one and going into a, a tough game against Houston. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I know it was tough for you to all be in a you know kind of a closed environment here. 
for 20 minutes. So I appreciate you both behaving yourselves. No elbows were thrown. No popcorn was thrown. More you, importantly, you were we. The third man in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Triple threat match coming up next. That's Joel Myers. Again, they'll have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans alongside Antonio Daniels and Jen Hale. And then it'll be a back to back on Saturday against the Houston Rockets. And of course, look out for Jim's stuff on pelicans.com and the mobile app. This podcast was brought to you by SeatGeek. Best of all, for our listeners, you can get $20 off your first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS at checkout. All one word, all caps, GOPELS at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you along with Todd Graff and Amy tomorrow. And then again, Pelicans and Mavericks on Friday. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans and this listen on ESPN 100.3 New Orleans. For Joel and Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday.